Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, church. Can we greet our viewers today, our streamers? We love you. Good morning. Happy New Year. Welcome, beloved. Welcome suddenly the Amos Principle this morning. I'll tell you what the Lord hijacked me today, and, and he told me to do a bunch of sudden multiplication kind of words for you. So my sermon points are going to be sudden multiplication words, because I think this year he's got the Amos principle in mind. What is the Amos principle? Let me read it to you out of the message. Amos 9, 13 through 15. Hear the Hear the word of the Lord. Let it just flow over your soul today and let it refresh you. Listen, yes, indeed, it won't be long, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will keep happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings, blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables, and I'll plant them. I'll plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. I want you to see this principle, the Amos principle today. Ready? Accelerated harvests. That's the first point that you need to focus on. Accelerated harvests. That means the reapers would be overtaken by those ready to plow and sow the fields again. Uh, The Amos principle is a strange imagery of the one sowing and the harvester sort of together in a dance, in an embrace. Because before they can even finish harvesting, the sowing is occurring, and before the, the sowing is occurring, as the harvesting is occurring, things speed up so quick that you confuse who's planting with who's harvesting. Now, usually there are a number of months. Usually those plowing in the fields of October and November will not overtake those harvesting the crops. But the abundance of the crops will be above anyone's imagination. The grape harvest around August and September, Amos says, will be so numerous that they, will, they still won't be finished planting time in November. So, in fact, the grapes will be so full, Amos says, that there will be streams of wine flowing down the hillsides, which speaks of accelerated harvest. Are you ready for accelerated harvest this year? I would say amen in our personal lives. We need to be amen folk today. We, amen means so be it. Did you know that? You just said it all these years. You didn't know. When you amen something, you're saying so be it to me. So you're sort of putting yourself in 
whatever you hear. So next time you say amen, don't say it lightly because you're putting it all on as garments. You're saying, clothe me with what I just heard. And so in the Amos principle, we're dealing with accelerated harvests for this year in our lives. And we say, amen, so be it here. Amen. We're clothing ourselves with accelerated harvests this year. And secondly, accelerated power. There's going to be in the Amos paradigm an unusual power given to accomplish unusual tasks. So Amos in his paradigm says, I, God says, I will exceed what you expect this year. Secondly, I will increase all you invest this year. And third, I will accelerate time to accomplish kingdom purposes. Boy, this year is going to be interesting. If he's going to exceed what we expect, increase what we invest, and accelerate the time to accomplish kingdom purposes, I want to be involved in what he's doing this year. So we call that the Amos principle. It means that the, the sowing and harvesting is, you don't even know who's doing what because of the speed you ever seen the cartoons where they speed up the cartoon and you don't know who's running, who's first and who's last and who's, oh, God's speeding up the cartoon this year. So if you're watching cartoons later, we want you to just sort of view it as a speed. It's the Amos principle. See, that's the Amos principle in cartoon form. Gretchen could understand that. She even Gretchen could understand the Amos principle in cartoon form. Jeff, maybe. We don't know. Sad but true, Jeff says. It's going to be an increase, beloved. And listen to this. So for, for the rest of the message, I'm going to throw principles at you involving multiplication and speeding up because that's what the Lord's telling me this morning. So I've got about four messages in one. Oh, my. So he's not only going to speed up what he's doing, like a cartoon speeding up. But he's going to bring forth his people speedily who have been in hiding. Hmm? Three traits of those coming forth speedily. Number one, they've mastered the place where they are. You're coming up now because you've mastered the place where you are. And when you master the place where you are in humility, what happens? The Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up, right? In Luke 14.10, Jesus said, but when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. He's about to honor you and lift his folk up in the presence of other guests. He's going to do it quick like that cartoon is speeding up with the Amos principle. Good news. You've mastered the place where you are. Secondly, You've experienced an unusual crisis that calls you forward. When God brings you forth speedily, you, there's been an unusual crisis that has called you forward. Do you remember Joseph? <laughs> the Bible says in Genesis 41, 14, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he was shaved, he changed his clothes and came before Pharaoh. Guess what? Pharaoh... <laughs> After Joseph mastered the place where he was, speedily this unusual crisis came upon Joseph. He was in prison for 13 years, and he had no clue 
that the day he got up in the morning and put his pants on this particular morning, that by the end of the day, he would shave himself completely head to toe, change his clothes completely head to toe, and he would wind up because Pharaoh said, get up and get out of prison. He did not know that he was, had mastered his place and that his time was over. Some of you are so faithful where you've been that you just got your head down like Joseph, getting up one day, expecting one thing to go the way it's gone. And the Bible says you're about to experience an unusual crisis that's going to call you forward. That's not a negative thing. For Joseph, an unusual crisis was uh, someone knocked on his door and Pharaoh said, get up and get out. <laughs> now, it's something he had done earlier in his life. He's something he'd prophesied earlier that was about to get him summoned quickly and speedily up and out of the area he had mastered. Get ready to be pulled up by favor out of the place you've mastered. <clears throat> because an unusual crisis is going to call you forward. And it's an unusual person who's going to come and get you. Joseph got come and got by Pharaoh himself. That's like me getting a summons from the president of the United States saying, Craig, get up and get out of your place of service because the president needs you. And he'd like you to come to the White House. I would not say no to that vintage invitation. And did you know um, what's interesting about these people and the crises they went through? I'm going to mention real quick four of them. First one is Joseph. So the man who called him forward was a forgetful friend. Hmm. Remember the story? Remember he was in, where was he? In prison. What happened? Well, one of the guys was the baker and the cupbearer. And what happened? The baker got hung. <laughs> Beloved, let me tell you, in this season of suddenlies, some are being promoted, but some are getting hung. I hate to tell you the truth about it, but it's not good news for some getting their comeuppance. All right. It was, it was good news for the cupbearer because he was being put back in his position of prominence with Pharaoh holding the cup. The most important man next to Pharaoh's life was the guy that tasted his food. So evidently someone in Pharaoh's life had screwed up and tried to poison him. And, and they didn't know if it was the baker or the cupbearer. So they threw the cook and the guy that was in control of the drinks threw them all in said we're going to kill them all let god sort them out that was pharaoh's first instinct right but later he said nah we think it was the baker kill the baker let the cupbearer come back well the cupbearer comes back and he forgets bible says how many years do you remember two years mm -hmm. for two years he forgot Joseph was the one who prophesied good news to him. But two years later, his memory was healed. Did you know some people have forgotten you on purpose? Selah, let me say it again, reverse. Some people have forgotten you on purpose because God wanted them to forget you because you needed that extra two years, just like Joseph needed that extra two years. So now you've mastered the place where you were, and now an unusual crisis can come forward for you, a blessing, and an unusual person is going to come and get, pick you up. Amen. And it may be, it may be the cupbearer that forgot you. It may be someone that forgot you on purpose because God didn't want you promoted initially. 
but he does. He doesn't want you out of season. If you pull an apple out of season, don't give it to me. Don't tithe it to the ministry of Pastor Craig. Don't you harvest fruit out of season and bring it over to my house and say, the Lord wanted me to bring. We've got a dear lady across the street, and she brings me all these apples that come out of her nasty apple tree. Little, nasty, weird, shaping, strange, and she brings them over to the preacher. They used to do that all the time. Here's a broken TV. Give it to the pastor. Here's a gnarly, nasty couch that our weird uh, in-laws slept on. Give it to Pastor Craig. No, no. Buy a new one with a warranty and give it to Pastor Craig. Anyway, that's another sermon about this year. Amen. I want to give a car that's going to blow up and kill his family. No, no, no. Give us a new car with a new warranty. We'll take that one. I'll give it to Brooke. Amen. Go. Oh, give me a new Kia. Amen. With a $100 payment a month. We'll give it to Brooke. All right. Just making my needs known. All right. So Joseph had mastered his place where he was. He experienced an unusual crisis that called him forward from an unusual person. Pharaoh himself and the cupbearer that had forgotten him. So don't be surprised. Let me give you another example after Joseph. David, remember our beautiful King David? He was a man that was brought forward as a teenager by an indifferent father and a jealous brother. Remember this? Hmm? Eli, mm, Eli didn't like him. His brothers did not like him. He was the eighth son. You may be the eighth daughter or the eighth son in the family. You may be the one that's just not respected. You've got an indifferent father. You have an indifferent mother. You have a jealous brother. You have a jealous sister. That's okay because you've mastered the place where you are. And suddenly this year, you're going to experience unusual crisis that's going to bring you forward. And an unusual person is going to be forced to come and get you. Maybe that indifferent mother or father that promotes you, let them. Maybe the indifferent brother and sister that says, you know, I've forgotten all about you, but I remember. Let them. Don't be proud when some weirdo comes to promote you suddenly in your family. Yeah, I'm not going to let them promote. Yes, you are going to let them promote you because it's God. He sees you've mastered the place where you are. He's trying to bring an unusual crisis to bring you forward, and he's going to bring an unusual person. So get off your high horse of pride and say, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy this year. That's your mantra. Gimme, gimme, my name's Kimmy. That's your mantra this year. So don't, don't refuse an unusual promotion experience suddenly from a weirdo, okay? Because God loves to use, I'm saying weirdo in place of another word that comes to mind first. <clears throat> Fill that in by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. All right. <laughs> so David, <laughs> David's weirdo was an indifferent father and a hostile, jealous sibling. And you know they all hated David because he was the beautiful boy, the gifted boy, the talented boy, the holy boy, the God-honoring boy, and God just lifted him above all those fools that demoted him his whole life growing up. They stuck him out in the field. They said, you're so nothing and you're so worthless. You just go right out with the sheep, and nobody's even going to call you. Notice when the prophet came to the house of his indifferent father, Jesse, he put all seven of his sons in front 
to Samuel for him to anoint and pray over. And he said, God has not anointed any of these, he calls them, these things. How'd you like to be in your family? Go one of these things. Amen. All right. Well, you want to be the picture that's showing up on your screen. You want to be the Amos principle. You want to be the one that is, is so caught up in this speed and dizziness of hurriedness this year where the harvesters and the sowers are so mixed up about who's in line because God's speeding up the cartoon image of harvest and planting that you just want to dance together, just hug on together, hold on to a, uh, one of those uh, little skis together and slide right on through because this is going to be a real sudden dizzying year. Good news for those of us who are being promoted. Bad news for the bakers who are being hung. Good news for the cupbearers who are being put back into place. <laughs> so David was brought forward by an indifferent father and a jealous brother. And do you remember that was a dizzying circumstance? David had mastered. He'd mastered his shepherding. And because the Bible says God saw that he was a humble and excellent shepherd with the sheep, it says God promoted him because he saw how tender and gentle and loving he was to the big mom is heavy with their lambs. They're about to give birth. And the Bible says David led them. He led the whole herd in a gentle way because he wanted to take such tender care of the big mamas that were large with young. And David was so loving and so affectionate in his tone, his body language. Did you know there's a lot of preachers that just sound angry and mad and they're pointing at you? I don't like being preached at. I don't know about you. I was just saying before we went on the air, I'd heard some preachers this week and they were all mean and mad and their tone is very flat. Their content may be good, but you can't hear the content through their. I always say, turn the audio off and see what they're trying to say. And I'm just going, oh my God, I, I don't know about you. I want to hear the content that's orthodox and clean, but I want to feel love the shepherd amen i want to feel cuddled like david did those big mama you lambs you covering them with kisses and hugs and lovies and he's slowing the whole herd down why he's going too slow for the money makers no no he's going just right because if this you throws this lamb you're not going to make as much money amen david's got the content and he's got the tone and the body language okay that was what was different between his seven stupid brothers and him is that he was gentle and he was orthodox in content, but gentle in his tone and body language. The scripture says that David was promoted because God said, because he was so wonderful as a young shepherd with those ewes. See, David didn't know he was being watched by God almighty when he was hugging and kissing those big fat mamas that were full of them babies, just about ready to blow. And all the others were saying, speed this herd up. Come on, come on. David said, no, slow the whole money making situation down because it's not about money. It's about these little lambs. And if they don't live, you won't have any money. You see, David, he's always looking out for the best interest of everybody. If you just trust his leadership. So God said, because I saw how he led right 
and he valued what was important to God. He promoted him as the shepherd of the kingship. He made him king of Israel. Mm-hmm. See, if you handle your level right that you're mastering right now with your little lambs, that when no one's, when you don't see anybody watching, who you are when nobody's watching is who you really are. So if you're nice and kind and gracious when there's really nobody watching that you're aware of, then God's going to see you, where you are, how you are, master that level, and he's going to send some weirdo to promote you quick. And it's usually the people that he didn't promote that he will force to promote you. Now, that's not good for them, but that's wonderful for you because they have to come and get you. Why? Here's another example. Mordecai. He was promoted. He had mastered the place where he was. And so he experiences an unusual crisis that calls him forward from an unusual person. Guess who this person was? Mordecai was a man brought forward by a multi-generational enemy of God's people. Listen to Esther 6, 7 through 10. So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn, and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to the one of the king's most noble princes and let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on a horse through the city streets proclaiming before him this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor go at once the king commanded haman (laughs) get the robe and the horse and do just what mordecai suggested mordecai the jew who sits at the king's gate do not neglect anything you have recommended. Now, now listen. <laughs> Mordecai is the multi-generational enemy of Israel from Esau, from the nasty tribe. And ha- I'm sorry, Haman is the, the, the wicked enemy. Sorry, Mordecai is the good guy. Sorry. Mordecai is the re- relative of Esther. So Mordecai is the Jew who has been demeaned. Haman wants to kill the Jews. He wants to kill all the Jews. In fact, he has come into the court just at that moment to kill all the Jews. And he wants, uh, he wants the uh, authority to uh, approve of his design to kill all Jews. The spirit of Pharaoh is the spirit that tried to kill Moses. Hmm? Do you remember? Pharaoh said, what, kill them all. And Moses was saved safely in the house. Well, Haman is the spirit of Pharaoh in the book of Esther. And if you read the whole book of Esther, you look for a mention of God and you're wondering, I don't see God's name, but you see God everywhere. You don't see his name or hear his name, but you see him everywhere imprinted in the book of Esther. Because Mordecai is the godly man, and he is getting, they're planning to murder all the Jews, just like with Hitler and the Holocaust. And so what happens? God makes Haman the wicked, Pharaoh-like image. And remember in the time of Jesus, who is it? Herod, the spirit of Herod. Kill all the babies. Let God sort them out, right? Did he get Jesus? No, he got about 20 babies, but he didn't get Jesus. He didn't get Moses, he didn't get Mordecai, and he doesn't get Jesus. But what happens? Haman gets it. 
Hmm. Haman is the one that <laughs> what happens is Mordecai comes in and they said, well, what should be done for the man that uh, the Lord delights in? And, and Mordecai just declares his fate. Well, gosh, well, you would have this guy, Haman, who's in charge now. You have him get a horse and have him dress this guy up. And guess what? God makes through an unusual circumstance. He makes Mordecai get exalted this day because he's already mastered his lower place, but he doesn't know it. But this day he's about to experience a crisis in his case. Good news. He's about to be lifted up by who? By this wicked Hitler. It's like making Hitler go bring the most famous Jew in his area, put him on a horse, put ornamentation from the king, put on a crown, put on gold vestiges and drag him through the city and honor him. Hitler wouldn't enjoy that at all. He'd say, this filthy Jew is going to be bringing me. Yeah, he's going to bring you. And on, oh, Hitler wouldn't like having to do it. So Hitler would be forced to put a godly Jewish leader and parade him around his entire empire. Wouldn't look good for Hitler. Beloved, what God's about to do is he's about to hang the bakers and he's about to promote the cupbearers. Man, he's about to hang the Hamans. He's about to promote the Mordecais. Do we have another example of God promoting somebody? Well, we have Joseph. That's number one. Then we have David, number two, three, Mordecai, and four, Saul of Tarsus. Do you remember this? Do you remember a man that brought forward a man who recognized his superior talents? Barnabas, the Bible says in Acts 11, 25 and 26, went to Tarsus to look for Saul of Tarsus, the newly born again, former persecutor of the church. Uh-oh, this is like Hitler getting born again. Are you ready to see God promote some Stalins, get them born again, Hitlers, get them born again. And just when you go and you're told to go promote them, you're going to say, but Lord, let me just remind you in case you've forgotten who Hitler was, who Stalin was, who Saul of Tarsus was. Saul of Tarsus in chapter, remember earlier, he was killing the church. Remember earlier, he is butchering the church. This is the guy that went out in, it says he breathed out threatenings. This guy was so vicious in his murderous torture of God's people that he's butchering them. But he just got gloriously knocked off a horse in Acts chapter nine. He's beautifully transformed by the time he hits the ground. He is now radically called as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's as, he's as doe-like as a little, a little baby animal now. But uh, when they're told to go get Saul, only Barnabas realizes at this point that he is no longer the man he once was. Beloved, you're no longer the woman you were. You're no longer the man you were. You're now a lamb. You used to be a lion. We knew you when you were a lion. I knew you when you were a lion. Amen. But now you're a lamb. And so someone who's already mastered their place is about to get speedily promoted by someone they don't expect. And Barnabas, who was the most respected leader in the church at this time, he fell from grace later. But at this time, Barnabas was the guy speaking in the ear of Peter and John and these major leaders. And he said, you know what? You need to go 
you need to go to Tarsus and you need to look for Saul because it's time that you find him and you bring bring him back. And they brought him back and it says, for a solid year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers and people. Great numbers of people. So Saul was remarkably brought to prominence by a major Christian leader. And nobody believed, everybody was leery of Saul at this time. He was not a known guy. And they're all going, you know, I, I mean, he, he's about to preach for a year with you, Barnabas, but the house you're going into now, he killed the daughter in that house and a wife in that house and a husband in that house. I don't think he's the right Joel Osteen to bring to the pulpit right now in that house. And you know what Barnabas said? Yes, he is. They're going to have to get over it because yes, he was a killer. And yes, he murdered two people in that house, but right now he's God's little lamb and he's the anointed apostle. So we're going to listen to him. See, God's going to shake us up this year, loved one, just like this. You said, I wouldn't have no Hitler preach in my local Bible study. Yeah, and that's why he won't use you. He has to throw you out and put someone in who's spiritually sensitive enough to see that Adolf is no longer the Fuhrer but he's given his heart to Jesus. Can you imagine what that would have caused during World War II if this guy had gotten born again and you've got to be the one to convince people that Adolf is no longer the Fuhrer, but he is now our new pastor whose nature has been changed. Beloved, it's going to be an interesting year. <laughs> Remember, it's the Amos principle. Don't you put it beyond God to exalt some weirdos this year that you know personally you know them as of 48 hours ago, but they're not the person they were 48 hours ago. So you've got to be that flexible to be the Barnabas to say, I'll sign up 48, you, 48 hours ago. He was face down, drunk on the floor. Something happened to him. He's changed and I'm going to speak for him. <laughs> I'm going to mentor him for a while. I'm going to mentor her for a little. Yeah, she's been a dog, but she's not the same uh, uh, female dog she was a few days ago so we're going to help lift her up it's a year of multiplication all right let me move on quick because i'm not moving quick enough a year to multiply listen to this first samuel 2 20 and 21 then eli blessed elkanah and his wife and he said may the lord give you children from this woman elkanah he said in place of the one she dedicated to the lord do you remember remember the mother who came, what was her name? Hannah. She came and had a little boy named Samuel, who was a prophet. Remember, she was once barren, one of the barren wombs of the Bible, who came to God and said, Lord, I want a baby. I can't have a baby. I got a, uh, my husband got another wife who's complaining all the time and, and prodding me with my barrenness. Some people have been mocking you for your barrenness in ministry for years. Oh, you thought you were going to be something. You said you were going to be something, but you're just barren. You got no fruit in your womb. You got no fruit in your womb. And boy, I've had people do that to me. I'm 64 years old, almost 65. Praise God. And I was given promises when I was five and six years of age. And I was given promise. God used me in my teens like no one I've ever seen in this generation. I was one of those whoo kids, wonder, wonder, wunderlogen or whatever they call it, wonder kid, wunderkind, whatever. All my German friends can correct me. Send it in to Mike. He'll pass it on and I'll ignore your correction. Anyway. <laughs> right? But 
others have looked at you and they've said, no, 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 you're not, no, you're nothing. Well, guess what? God said to Hannah, listen, she has, she gets pregnant. She has her boy, Samuel. And as soon as he pops out, he's about three or four, he's weaned. It says she brings her weaned child to the temple area where Eli the priest is and he give she gives her son some of you have sown children you dedicated them to God as soon as they came out of the womb and you lost them the ministry sucked them up and took them away from you so I'm talking to some prophetically to some mothers and fathers right now you lost a child to the ministry in a good sense I mean she was promoted and is now the wonder child and he was promoted and is now the wonder kid. But you sowed one life that you feel you lost to the work of the Lord. Good news today. She did give Samuel to the temple and never, every year she came and brought him treats, and new outfits and so on, but she lost him. But you know what the Bible says? She sowed one. Listen to what God said to her husband, Elkanah. In the place of the one she dedicated to the Lord, I'm speaking this over you, Mom. In the place to the one he dedicated to the Lord, I'm speaking this over to you fathers who've sown that kid into the ministry. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Whoa! Three sons and two daughters. She had five more kids. Those of you that have sown one into the ground. Proverbs eleven twenty four in the New Living Translation says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Hmm? Give freely, you get everything back. Hold stingy, lose everything that you think you hold. Have you ever wanted to grasp onto something or someone or and not give it to God? Because I'll have it for me. But you, you chose to do the right thing, which was to give that person, place, or thing freely. Now the Bible says you're going to get more than you can ever imagine. Hold on, lose. Let go, gain. Hold on, lose. We are all recovering graspers. I don't know about you. I am a recovery. We're in a 12 step group right now. Hello. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six of you. God bless you all. Our Bethel horde. Yeah. They're staying away in droves, but guess what I've got? I've got recovering graspers. I know this one right over here. He's been grasping onto things all his life. God says, Mike, let go, let go, let go. So he's a, he's an open hander. He's a giver. Nancy, she's, she lets go. Gretchen, I know she's let go. No, Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, iffy. It's iffy, Dennis. We're going to leave him out of the factory. But mostly, I've got recovering graspers who are more in the leaning. They're in Gretchen's category. <laughs> Someone has to be a grasper, Dennis. <laughs> oh, Lord, give freely. Come on. Become more wealthy. Be stingy lose everything. It's a year to give. But notice God's blessings are seen in exponential multiplication, not addition. Do you know in the Bible, right? God multiplies. He doesn't add. 
See, we still live in a culture in the church that believes in addition. And God never does addition. He does multiplication. See, we want to get butts in the pews. Look, if you bring a friend and you bring a friend and you bring a friend, then next week we'll have 12 people. And then next week, if they bring a friend and they bring a friend, but I want you to notice that's addition. God is not interested in one butt in the seat at a time. He's interested in multiple butts and seats, but that comes through multiplication. But that comes his way. It doesn't come our church growth way. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're go we need to get people in here. Okay? How? And they're going to give you an addition strategy. God always multiplies. Boy, that's different, isn't it? I want multiplication. You know, the enemy is threatened by multiplication. Listen to this, Exodus 1, 12, and 13. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites because they were multiplying like rabbits. Hmm? You wait for an elephant to make another elephant? You wait forever. Put rabbits alone in a room? That's the difference between addition and multiplication. The children of Israel were rabbits. They just went away and weren't looking, came back, and they'd multiply. And this was driving the enemy nuts. And if we want to drive the enemy nuts, and I want to drive the enemy nuts, then we need to believe in multiplication and let the Lord multiply our lives. Not, add, not use addition, but multiplication. Amen? Someone say amen. All right. Hebrews 6, 14 and 15 says of Abraham, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Abraham was willing to wait for the multiplication promise. God did it. Amen. So quit praying for God to add to your life. Pray for that he will multiply this year. Multiplication is what we want. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we open our hearts this year for if we want speed, we want multiplication, not addition. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We are never transformed by what we hold on to. Never transformed by what we hold on to. We're transformed by what we release. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And what we have is not insignificant, Lord. So we're going to let it go and we're going to release our grip, God. And we thank you that nothing multiplies until it is put in the hands of Jesus. So we're going to take what we have and we're going to put it in the master's hand. And what we're willing to surrender is going to determine what we receive, God. And we thank you the multiplication is not based on what we can do but it's based on what you can do, God. So we're going to resist the temptation to hoard this year. We're thanking you that Jesus takes the little that is given to him and transforms it into something greater than it could be on its own. So we release everything into your hands, Jesus. Someone say amen with me right now. Amen. So be it. Amen. Bring it on me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you that what we bring what we're willing to give is what we're willing to see transformed by Jesus. Thank God. Beloved doors 
that were locked before are going to be opened this year in multiplication for you. Thank God for the Amos principle. God, speed things up so quick that we're going to not be able to know who's sowing and who's harvesting. Someone say amen. One more thing. And this is the bad news this year. Remember I mentioned before that the baker got hung, but the cupbearer got promoted. Hmm. Well, some, some we're going to have a sort of an ear tingling season this year. We're going to hear some testimonies that are going to be good, but we're going to also hear some testimonies that are going to make us go, oops. Because this year, along with those that get promoted, the cupbearer, they're going to be those that get hung, the baker. Mm-hmm. And this year is also going to be an ear-tingling season of Reubens. I don't know if you remember the boy Reuben. Mm-hmm. We're entering Reuben's season. Reuben was the son of Jacob. Remember him? He he wasn't a... <laughs> he, was, he was the firstborn. Here's the interesting thing. Of Jacob's sons, Reuben was the firstborn. He had the position of preeminence above all his brethren. He had the birthright. That was his. He had the priesthood. That was his. And he had the kingdom. And that was his. This is Reuben. Now, wouldn't you think as the firstborn that you are the cherry-picked kid that's destined for destiny? All you got to do as the firstborn is wait till your daddy dies. All right. In Genesis chapter 49, we got Jacob. He's just about on his last breath. Daddy's almost dead. So guess who's going to be the happiest boy in the room doing a little happy dance? It's going to be Reuben because he's the firstborn. But something happens in the birth room. Well, it's actually the death room of Jacob. It's supposed to be the birthing room for Reuben because Reuben thinks he's pregnant as the firstborn. What is he astonishingly pregnant with? Everything I just mentioned to you. He has the place of preeminence. He has the birthright. He has the priesthood. He has the kingdom. It's all his. As soon as Jacob goes and takes the last breath, Reuben is it. But there's a little something going on in the deathbed of Jacob. We have all the sons at the bed. Reuben should get it all. But the problem is, is Reuben, who had the firstborn, the position of preeminence above all, the birthright and the priesthood and the kingdom, is that he had sinned in a weird way. Did you know if you put your sins under the blood of Jesus, you have nothing to worry about? If we confess our sins, he is faithful to what? Forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's if you put the sin under the blood. But if you don't put the sin under the blood, and in pride you think you can function with all your sins uncovered by the blood of Jesus, you're going to be toast this year. You're going to be hung. You're not going to be promoted. You're the baker. <sighs> it's not looking good for you. Look what happened to Reuben. He's in the, the, the deathbed room. He is technically the firstborn he's he's the firstborn but um listen to this and i'll close with this i don't like to close with bad news so i won't i'll close with a little good news at the end first we're going to have a whoopsie then we're going to end with some good news here's the whoopsie 
We're entering a Reuben season right now. By that I mean, suddenly, Reuben was exposed at the moment he thought he was going to be crowned. Reuben, all Jacob's got to do is die. Reuben gets it all. And all 12 sons are there at the bed. But guess what happens in this last moment? Reuben is just ready to put his crown on. He is confronted with sin that he did not put under the blood. He did not confess. And it's something, it's a sin he committed 40 years ago. Did you know, beloved, that all those old sins, if they're not put under the blood, are as fresh as they were the day you committed them? And I want to give you a little insight about Reuben's sin. Now, thank God, if your sin's under the blood, which I hope you're doing right now, by the way, when I first went to Nigeria in 2014, I put all my sins under the blood real quick when they told me I was going to see Prophet Amos, the premier prophet in Africa. I started at 12. No, I think I started at about... One, two, one, two. Okay, we're back. That devil tried to cut me off, but it didn't work. Amen. He didn't like this bit. Yeah, he didn't want his oopsies exposed. All the oopsie boys and girls, all the Rubens. Listen to this. About the second... Jacob dies and Reuben is crowned an old sin. He committed 40 years earlier caught up with him in this room. What was that sin? Now yours are hidden. So we don't get to look at your nasty business, right? I was putting all my sins under the blood in Africa because I didn't want that prophet to say, Ooh, when I came in, Ooh, yucky, poopy, nasty. <laughs> So I put all the yucky, poopy, nasty stuff I could dream of. And, and I dreamt of a lot overnight that I put under the blood before I went in. Then they put me in a Range Rover and took me to him. And I was confessing everything a double time because I did not want that old prophet to greet me with some word pictures from my teens. Anyway, and we'll all leave that to you to figure out what yours are. Now, forget about mine, you wicked thing. Trying to fantasize what mine are. Why don't you deal with your own? All right, devil. All right, come on now. <laughs> Brother, how many of you know whoever God curses can never excel? Well, Reuben is never going to excel because he won't put the nasty business under the blood. If you put it under the blood like I did before I saw Prophet Amos, Prophet Amos is blind to all this stuff. Even if he went looking for it, he can't find it. How many of you know God will put your sin in the deep waters of his forgetfulness and it will never be remembered against you again? I was quoting all that. The blood of Jesus. I had a spritz bottle of the brother, blood of Jesus going into that room with him. In case he thought so, he saw something, I was going to put it right out. Reuben didn't do that, though. Reuben wasn't Craig. Reuben said... Um, 40 years ago, beloved, let, let me, let me, let me show you what wasn't brought under the blood. It was an old sin 40 years earlier. In one sin, Reuben committed rape, incest, and adultery all in one act. This is a whoopsie doodle. We used to say to Arwen, whoopsie doodle when she did something wrong massive biblical whoopsie doodle 
in one act, Reuben raped, incested, and committed adultery. This was not a subtle or small thing. He slept with Jacob's common-law wife, Bilhah, the mother of Dan, and that this is nasty business. And remember Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. So Reuben, as the firstborn, had the position of preeminence above all his brethren. He had the birthright. It was his. He had the priesthood and the kingdom. And due to his sin, the birthright went to Joseph. The priesthood went to Levi and the kingship went to Judah all in one expose. Reuben was exposed in that room prophetically through his old dad who was about to die and give him the world. And right then for the first time, his brothers heard about all this. Mm -mm. Bad room to be in. Mm? They just heard about which mama whoop <laughs> yeah uh rape incest and adultery exposed in one minute and there's nowhere for you to go oh well don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain oh everybody heard it it's a big bed about the size of this room and all the 12 boys are there and this is the firstborn that thinks he's going to get everything and he gets everything exposed right there and he suddenly is demoted. Oh, Lord Jesus. But guess what? It's good news. It's good news to Joseph. He gets the priesthood. Levi, he gets the priesthood. Joseph gets the birthright. And Judah gets the kingship. So it's good news. Reuben's birthright went to two boys whose birthright had been reversed. Oh, praise God. This is a year when it's good news. Right? Nothing of excellence proceeded from Reuben. There's no prince ever comes from him, no prophet, no priest, no king, no judge ever comes from Reuben's loins. But Dathan and Abiram were of the tribe of Reuben. These are the guys that gave the leadership rebellion of Korah against Moses. Ooh, you mean Dathan and Abiram, the wicked guys? Yeah, they're from Reuben. Uh-oh. And his tribe declined in numbers between the Exodus and the Promised Land. They moved from seventh to ninth place. <laughs> Reuben gets utterly and suddenly multiplied in the opposite direction. That's going to happen this year for the Reubens. So, again, bad news. Reubens are being exposed this year speedily and quickly. And they're being dumped from what they thought was going to be their moment of ecstasy they're being thrown in multiplication in the opposite direction but guess what god's moving all the chess pieces on his game table and as reuben is removed judah is exalted someone say amen i want to be judah in this room Whew. i want to be judah put me up put them down lord if you must but put me up this is the season of Reuben, beloved. Moses was concerned about Reuben. He saw things going from bad to worse for this boy. Beloved, it's speedy promotion this year for God's lambs who put their sin under the blood. And those of you that have mastered your position where you are, prepare for the crisis that's going to raise you up and it's going to be a weirdo probably is going to promote you. But don't, don't diss them.
could be a ministry you don't respect that that comes to respect you don't judge god's going to use except any way he chooses to multiply you and promote you this year amen maybe strange but you're expecting strange so don't be weird and reject it so what if an atheist wants to give all his millions to your ministry and not become a christian well i might be compromising in that no no send it here as soon as i touch those mounds of cash they're mine in jesus name and they're called into the ministry yeah well, he didn't want to, he, well, we didn't want the money because it was dirty money. It's not dirty as soon as I touch it and dedicate it to Jesus. Amen. So accept the dirty bird. Remember, God fed Elijah with a raven, which was a ceremonially unclean bird. But God used a dirty bird to feed his prophet. So don't you think, well, I'm too clean for the, no, you're not. Take it. And what would a raven bring? What do you think an unclean bird brought for him to eat all that time <laughs> whatever it was we receive it in jesus name from mcdonald hamburgers down to roadkill it's a little a1 put enough a1 on it my dad said and it is called into the ministry bruce johnson just came through the pulpit bruce Hag johnson oh beloved let me pray for you multiplication over your life for good and not for evil hmm you're one of the pieces on the chessboard that are unusual like judah but he's going to knock reuben out and put you up right about now father in the name of jesus i thank you for my brother and my sister god i thank you lord that they've hidden themselves under the blood and they've they've covered themselves with the cleansing streams of calvary there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners plunge beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stains. For since by faith I saw the streams thy healing wounds supply, amazing grace has been my theme and will be until I die. Father, we plunge ourselves and all that we are under the blood of Christ. Clen claiming forgiveness cleansing and renewal a multiplication a favor upon us that we've never known blessing upon us that we've never seen thank you father and we receive upon ourselves father the blessings of heaven the multiplication of heaven the speed of that multiplication upon us those of us that lord we dare believe that we've mastered our lower place like Joseph and are ready to be surprisingly exalted right now we say amen Lord so be it to me men women boys and girls plunge your sins into Calvary's stream Men, women boys and girls prepare to be exalted through strange circumstances and unusual people who will now call you forward Lord, we don't limit any multiplication you want to bring to us. In our ignorance, Lord, we don't want to limit who and what you would bring into our lives. Thank you, God. Use any means. We just release our grip off any means. We say bring them in. However you want to use, bring them. However you want to exalt us, let it happen this year in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. All right. That covers everything. <laughs> Blood covers every sin. And all your limits are taken off of God, right? All the pause buttons are removed from the people that you say, I'll never receive from him. And, and, and I'll die before I let my mama bless me. Yeah. Well, all those pause buttons were released. God may want to use mama to give all her money to you. So don't say in pride. All right. <laughs> I had to prophesy this thing all the way through and hit everybody. You know, they say when you throw a, stick into a pack of dogs the one that yelps is the one that got hit so i kept throwing sticks till i got the right yelps all right so we're releasing it all amen and we're receiving everything god wants us to receive through whom he wants to use all right that's a full amen so the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you the lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace happy new year bless you We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.